0: Taste the Mediterranean through March 19th at Whole Foods Market. Save on animal welfare certified bone-and-beef short ribs, sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon, and more. Find sales on Parmigiano-Reggiano, charcuterie and ground lamb. Grab an olive bull bread from the bakery. Plus, wines from the Mediterranean start at just $8.99. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Must be 21+. Please drink responsibly.
2: Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 210. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. The Super Bowl is over. Valentine's Day is over. The war in Ukraine is far from over. And the 2024 race for president has just begun. And so this is definitely a time to stay vigilant.
0: I stand before you as the daughter of immigrants, as the proud wife of a combat veteran, and as the mom of two amazing children. I've served as governor of the great state of South Carolina and as America's ambassador to the United Nations. And above all else, I'm a grateful American citizen who knows our best days are yet to come if we unite and fight to save our country. devoted my life to this fight and I'm just getting started. For a strong America, for a proud America, I am running for president of the United States
2: It's February 2023. It's 65 degrees in New York. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl champs. American military aircraft are shooting stuff down all over the place. And the 2024 race for president is already underway. These are interesting times. That's former South Carolina governor and newest Republican candidate for president, Nikki Haley. So at least for now, it's Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. It's not exactly Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, but it will no doubt be a clash of styles, a clash of generations, and a clash of very high entertainment value. It won't be the Super Bowl from this weekend, which was one hell of a game, but it will definitely be something to see. Nikki Haley is already positioning herself as a more moderate, more rational, more independent alternative to Trump. But I just don't see it resonating with today's Republican Party, which is still very much Trump's party. But she is right about one thing. She said our best days are ahead if we unite to save our country. She's right about that. We've got to unite if we're going to save our country. I just don't think she's the leader that can do it. But she's gonna try to serve it up. She's gonna try to present herself as the chef that can stir our great melting pot of a country into something edible. A melting pot that right now looks like a soup of oil and water with a whole bunch of crazies and pop rocks floating around and popping inside. She's gonna try to make the case that she's the best political culinary artist to choose the menu, pick the ingredients, chop, dice, saute, and stew, present the dish, and serve it up for all Americans to consider. She's inviting us to take a big old historic bite of what she's cooking. But I don't think she's got it right. She's serving up expensive and refined beef tartare to a Republican base that wants a slimy and cheap Big Mac with a side of soggy fries. And it's versus the guy who's the master franchisee with millions and millions already served. In 2023 and 2024, the Republican Party is not smelling what Nikki Haley is cooking. She might catch the interest of some independent Americans, definitely more than someone like Ron DeSantis, but she's unlikely to make it out of the first round of the nastiest political cooking competition on the planet that will culminate in the final round of GOP Top Chef that is the Republican convention next summer. But she'll try. That's the beauty of America. Anyone can try. Whether it's running for president or starting a restaurant, anyone can try. And most will fail. But some won't. And they'll become the great American success stories. The Ray Crocs and the Tom Colicchio's. Remember, Tom Colicchio joined us on this show way back in Episode 8 in 2019, and again at the start of the pandemic in 2020. Check those out if you've never heard them before. But successful entrepreneurs, and especially successful chefs, are a new kind of American rock star. They can disrupt. They can transform. They can educate. They can inspire. And they can be examples, not just in how to cook food or run a restaurant, but examples in how to lead. They can show what a good leadership climate looks like or what a bad one looks like. And they can become important, inspiring, and iconic American leaders. And our guest in this episode is one of them. He's gone from serving in the British Royal Navy as a lowly cook to serving multiple presidents of the United States in the White House. From a troublemaking team to a TV star, an entrepreneurial and philanthropic leader. He's a truly great American immigration story, a truly great American business story, and a truly great American success story. And he's here to chop it up with us in a way that is raw, hot, and ready to serve. He's Chef Robert Irvine. You might know Chef Robert Irvine from the Food Network's hit show, Restaurant Impossible, where in over 200 episodes, he's given struggling restaurateurs a second chance to turn around their lives and their businesses. You might know him as that buff British chef who's hosted or made guest appearances in a variety of shows, including Dinner Impossible, All-Star Academy, Worst Cooks in America, Next Food Network Star, Next Iron Chef. Guy's Grocery Games, and many more. Or you might know him from his books, or maybe from his Fit Crunch Protein Bars, which I actually love, and we'll talk more about in this conversation. But he's got a food and media empire that continues to grow. What you may not know is that as it grows, Chef Robert Irvine continues to give. He's a deeply patriotic man, and a passionate and relentless supporter of our troops and military. A portion of everything he sells benefits the Robert Irvine Foundation, which gives back to servicemen and women and first responders. He helps at-need veterans and first responders. He helps get them service dogs, makes mental health and wellness services available. He gets them mobility advices and much more. And he's done a bunch of USO tours. And he's the recipient of a number of civilian honors, including Honorary Chief Petty Officer of the United States Navy, and the Medal of Honor Society's Bob Hope Award. And he even has a restaurant inside the Pentagon. Yep. I'll talk to him about that, about his journey, about where he sees America right now, about if he'd ever run for office himself, and after serving them both, what Donald Trump and Joe Biden both love to order the most. And I'll also ask him what his final meal on Earth would be. So as the presidential candidates from both sides continue to serve up their best, we're going to talk to a master about how he serves us his and how you can serve up yours. It's another important, inspiring and iconic American who is changing what America was, what it is and what it will be. And it's another conversation packed with the best ingredients, the five food groups that drive everything we do on this show and from Righteous Media. The Five Eyes of Independence, Integrity, Information, Inspiration, and Impact. So pull up a seat at my table. Make yourself at home. I hope you brought your appetite for a fun and inspiring conversation served up nice and hot. Welcome to my dinner table of conversation. Welcome to a conversation with a chef who's serving up the best for America, far beyond food. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 210. Order up. and around the world. I hope you had a happy Valentine's Day. Welcome to the depths of February and welcome to another important, inspiring and iconic American conversation with a man that I am honored to know. I am inspired to be around and I went to the gym extra just in anticipation of this conversation. The great and powerful chef Robert Irvine is here on Independent Americans. Finally. <laughs> I was gonna say you went to the gym? Really? I, I need to, man. I knew I was coming to see you, so I went and did an extra workout and I wore a tight black blank shirt. My uh, underneath. I didn't I figured you wouldn't wear a shirt at all. I mean you're in such good shape you could do an interview with no shirt on, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I could actually, but but I won't. My wife won't be impressed with that. Well, I'm so happy first off, I'm happy to have you here. Welcome. Uh, so much I want to get into. I want to talk about the book. I want to talk about your journey. I want to talk about your connection, to the military community, and the foundation. But uh, it's just—it's great to see you. I haven't seen you in person, and we're not in person. We're over Zoom. But I haven't seen you in person in years, and it's just really good to see you and be around your energy, man.
1: Well, I—I I hope that sooner rather than later we get to grab a beer and a tequila and catch up. Uh, it's been a whirlwind through COVID and everything else, and I've been keeping tabs on what you've been doing. Which is enlightening the world and changing the world. Which, you know, I think we share the same passion in 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 informing and and taking care of people, and and that's why I love you so much, and I do. Um. So it, it's good to be here. I'm
2: back at you, my friend, and and uh, part of why I reached out is is as uh, our mutual friend Mark Roberts from OAR said, man, you guys got to chop it up. And uh, that that prompted me to reach out to you. But he is a big fan of yours. He's been on this show. He's a dear friend of mine. And I assume you guys know each other from the USO. Is that where you hooked up?
1: So no. So it's so funny. Uh, I'm a huge supporter of him. Um, so is Justin, the guy you just left my COO. And he's done beats and eats, our big fundraiser, every year in wow. Philly. I've been uh, to his concerts. You know, I just think Mark Roberge, walks on water for me. Sorry he does. Um everything he does and everything he stands for he, he reminds me of us in in so many ways. He's so giving um and uh he does every year he comes bigger and better and uh you know we've uh we've got some big things working so it's going to be fun.
2: He's a tremendous human being. I can't wait to have him back on the show. He's also been a great mentor to me in so many ways and especially um, in fatherhood he's a great dad and we don't live yeah. apart so occasionally we run into each other at kid stuff um but he but he's a legend and so are you uh i want to start with a question chef that i ask of everyone where are you and how are you
1: so uh i'm in New york city today and tomorrow i'm doing my my book my book uh media uh this morning cnn uh tomorrow fox and friends and and all that kind of stuff and then Navy Ball on Friday, then Portland on Saturday. You know, my life is uh, is on the road 345 days a year, and 150 of those just with the military.
2: That's so, that's incredible. And how have you been lately, man? I mean, COVID the last couple of years, you know, you it's, continue it's, to inspire others, but but how have you been?
1: It's interesting because uh, when March the 17th uh, happened, COVID started. I was filming a show. I got food poisoning, spent two days in hospital. Then I got violently ill, and the 4th of July weekend with COVID and spent uh, six days in hospital uh, with COVID. I came out. Uh, I didn't tell anybody except my wife. I didn't tell my kids. Um, and there was no vaccines. There was nothing, right? It was just hey, suck it up buttercup kind of thing, um, vitamin D and whatever else. And uh, I came out and I, I I'd had somewhere, I don't know, about 30,000 emails from, from restaurants and businesses in need. Uh, I called the Food Network, President Courtney White at that time. I said, like, we need to be back on the road. This, this can't stop us. You know, we got to save business. So we did. We got uh, four buses, six people on each bus, a couple of trucks. And we actually stayed on the road the full time of COVID, 66 episodes of television. We were the only people on the road. And our little group of people, which is kind of weird when I think about it now, right? Because we are going into people, that yes, they were tested, but nobody knew anything about COVID at that point, right? right. Um, so we did the TV and we've come out. We've not stopped uh, our, our, our whole business, uh, our, our protein bars, our liquor, our uh clothing uh, which i'm going to send you some um all just took off during covid it was ridiculously uh, crazy because people were staying at home they were drinking at home uh we were doing all that the zoom and, and the facebook kind of thing um but we came out of it really well um and then have not stopped since
2: i might have personally driven that because i think i sent you a note i ate so many fit crunch bars during COVID, it was like I had him in my car, I had him in my jacket, I had, and and this was not even because you were my friend. I just at some point picked him up, and as anybody who's an athlete or cares about fitness, you try them all. And at right. some point, I was like, this is just my jam. It's just working for me. It's got the right nutrition, tastes good, and I, I honestly probably ate thousands during, we'll, during COVID. We'll my little boys- you- my little boys were eating them and then I had to Google, are they okay for kids? You know, but, but they, if it was up to my boys, they would eat pretty much muscle milk and, and, and fit crunch bars and candy. Uh, well, I'm going to
1: cool. change that because I'm coming out with a, with a, a ready to drink protein drink soon, so, uh, and we'll send you some of the new flavors. We have 11 flavors now, but, but to go back to your point, yes, great, great for kids, etc. But the money that you spend buying them goes into our foundation and I will get that later. But yeah. you probably bought an I bought for somebody that needed it just on your purchases of that big crunch. So they thank you. And I thank you.
2: So I, I love getting your perspective on hearing you talk about the business side of things. But you're also a great American success story. I mean, you're you're a business leader, a philanthropist. Um, you inspire people around the world and give back to the country. But I want to ask you, I mean, this is a this is a complicated time in America. Um, you are an ambassador for America. I think you're, you're a great champion for America, and you're a guy who goes to all different kinds of media and, and touches on all different kinds of people. Chef, where do you think our country is right now? And, and how do you feel about the state of affairs in America right now and where we're going?
1: I think we, we're, in, we're in this crossroads right now, okay? We've come through the COVID piece, uh, the January the 6th piece. Um, half the country is divided on this, half the country is divided on the other. You know, at some point, you know, then we have China, Iran, uh, the, the withdrawal of Iraq, Iraq and Afghanistan and all these things that, that I'm I'm very close to, yeah. believe it or not, because, you know, I get to cook for the president, um, Republican and Democrat. Um, I get the seal of the United States. I get I have a restaurant in the Pentagon. I see the senior leadership. I travel 150 days a year with the military to try and make the food better. And. Um, I think the country is in this crossroads of of who it wants to be, and we need to get back to, to, you know, what is fundamentally correct for all America, right? Not just 50%. And I think we're we're divided on politics, we're divided on, you know, should we shoot a balloon down? Should we, you know, all these things that 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 you're talking about, and I watch and I listen, that are headline news, and today another sad day, of course you know, another mass shooting. That's the 67th mass shooting we've had since the uh, beginning of the year. You know, something has to change. And I'm not talking about um, uh, taking amendment rights and things like this away, but something has to give where we can help the mentally infirm. We can help the the gun laws in that you can't buy a semi-automatic weapon or something, you know, that, that, that more than... Whatever rounds, right? Uh, I'm not a policymaker. I just know that, that too many people are, are losing their lives, and 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 people are getting caught in the crossfires, and and again today, and, and, it, and it's frustrating because I have a wife and two kids, two girls, 24 and 22, that one lives in Baltimore, one lives in Philadelphia. Um, the homelessness, all these things that that that, that are going on right now there has to be an answer, right? And collectively, and I don't care, I don't care who you are in power, but collectively we have to reach across and somehow come up with it with, with something that works for everybody and everything, right? Um, I think I think that's gotta happen sooner rather than later. Look, I, I'm not, I don't wanna get into politics. I don't care who, who's what and where and when but we can't stop change. We can't have somebody, um, Republican or Democrat, say, or Independent for that matter, say, oh, no, we're not going to do that because we're going to wait two years so we change the president. No, we've got to change that. Mm. We've got to change that.
0: Mm. When
1: you join the military, we make, a, we, we make a commitment and an oath to a country. I made a commitment to the British Royal Navy and Marines. I also made a commitment when I became a citizen of the United States to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States and against foreign and domestic uh, um, terrorists, right? Uh, and I live by that, and I breathe by that. I pay my taxes, I vote, and I have an opinion. Um, and I use that, in my platform, for all the right things. Well, I think that, that for all the right things. Um, so that's where I think we are right now. I mean, it's a roundabout answer, but. I think there's so much going on. You can't pinpoint one thing right
2: now. Mm. But if there's one thing that I do try to pinpoint, at least on this show is leadership. And it feels like there's a leadership vacuum in this country and that Americans, especially who are frustrated with politics feel like they don't have leaders with integrity that they can trust. Right. And, and there's this independent movement. 50% of veterans are independent, especially the younger generation. We see many young people are independent. Yeah. They look to leaders in, in many different ways. Uh, environments and and sectors. Would you ever run? I think your home is New Jersey, but would you ever run or serve in government? <laughs> well, you have I, a lot I, of connections. The thing. I, 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 was... In the military, would you ever run yourself? You'd get a lot of support. I, I, I That's a great question. I, I, it, at
1: the moment, no. Have I have I ever felt about it? No. Would I think about it as I get older? Yes, because I'm now championing um, the Senate Armed Committee right now with, yep. with the, the Combat Cares Act. You know, taking, taking money away from veterans that, are, that, that we said we take care of, and we're not doing it. You know, I, I, it frustrates me. i you know, Louis Sevilla, who can't get, and he's one of, of thousands, by the way, right? That the, They've taken money away from the VA to help these folks. So that's why charities uh, are doing so much work right now, because the government has fell short on doing what they said they were going to do and 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 that is a repercussion and you know this of where we are now with 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 recruitment of our military folks nobody wants to join the military why because hey we promised other people something and we didn't give it to them right so so um i don't know i i, I i'm a huge advocate of military and doing the right things i i don't think I would do very well in politics because i've got too much of a big mouth and i don't care what you know um oh. That, that
2: didn't that didn't stop the last president from getting elected. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, you know, I think there's there's a there's a there's a power in, in so much of what you're saying. Maybe they could enlist you to be a head of recruiting for the military because you've been such a great Im- ambassador. Um, but I want I want to ask I want to pull apart a piece yeah, of of that and ask you, you. I think you know you have a restaurant in the Pentagon. Uh, the Pentagon's a building I used to be in all the time. It has a unique culture. You know, I think people outside the Pentagon who've never been inside don't understand how big it is. Right. It's just I think it's yeah. the biggest office building in the world or at least in America. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, no, it's In the what, world,
1: I think it is. Yeah. What,
2: what is it like to have a restaurant in the Pentagon, and how did that happen, Chef? And I'm going to call you Chef. It's like an yeah, admiral so. or a general. I feel like yeah. you get the title for life, so I'm going to refer to you by your by your title. How did How did that all come together, Chef?
1: It, it's funny. I there was I I since 1997 when I came to this country, um, I befriended uh, somebody in the supply corps. Um, his name is Tony Powell. He was actually the Master Chief at the White House Food Service. The Submarine Service were thinking about doing a cook chill facility, which means cooking in the bag, in the bag and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, you can come and look at the facility in Atlantic City, because I worked for Donald Trump for four years, uh, Taj Mahal. They came. I said it would never work because you have to stack these somewhere. It would take too much, whatever, whatever. Uh, I ended up going to the White House the first time. Um, and was going there two days a week for forever and ever and ever, and still do. Um, and I met uh, a young man um, by the name of Rob Bianchi, Admiral Bianchi, who was in charge of the Navy Exchange. And uh, I started traveling, doing doing some some kind of thank you to the staff of Navy Exchanges. Right, I went to Gitmo when when that waterboarding was going on. And I never forget, I, I was in the, the clamshell with him and Amnesty International said, so what, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm just supporting the mission, right? Um, uh, made, made from Page News because Amnesty International didn't support the mission, right? Um, whatever, you know. Um, and from that point on, I traveled the globe with, uh, with uh, doing these things. Um, An RFP came for the for the Pentagon. I bid on it, I won it, which was unbelievable. And it took us almost two and a half years to put the restaurant together. Not because there wasn't a restaurant, because there was. It was there, everything was there that I needed. Um, but it cost me five times as much as what it would have cost me because, you know, tying to this, the buildings over there, that, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, So we started that that, that restaurant. It was an amazing place because, look, you talk about the White House being power, powerful, sorry, the Pentagon halls, and and you know you've you've walked them, 26 to 38,000 people a day from every walk of life, and and every nationality, you know, Admiral generals, whatever, whatever, uh, walk that hall, Secretary of Defense is, every head of state, every president goes there. It's a powerful place. Um, And and I wanted a restaurant in there because I wanted the initial thing was to change the food in the military. And where do you start? You know, the head of the snake, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So so uh, I started there and and, uh, I've been there ever since. And now now I'm helping the the military change their feeding with a H2F movement in the army, specifically right now in the Air Force. Um, how do we make things better? How do we make it more nutritional? All those kind of things that, that you never had. I never had. Um, but you know, we can, we can buy drones and planes and, and, and ships and put, you know, man on the moon, but we can't fix, you know, chow in the military. Come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, so I've been doing that for 12, almost 13 years and finally was are starting to make headway. So that's how I got the, got in the Pentagon was, uh, Um, just, just try and make change.
2: It's, I think it's such a great part of your story that I don't know if most, most folks know about, or have heard you talk about because anybody who's been in the building, the building, right. Um, knows, you know, basic stuff is difficult. It's not like you can just back up a truck of lettuce and just unload it when you need it inside the Pentagon. Everything logistically security wise is, is more complicated as you have, have shared more expensive. But it's also a really special place. The energy is special. The, you know, people need food. You know, you talk about people working long hours at places like Google. I mean, the Pentagon—they're locked in, so they're yeah. there. And food is is essential. But it's also, you know, your new book is called Overcoming Impossible. It's a great story to hear. You, a guy who was in the British Royal Navy, and now you're serving secretaries of Defense, depending on, but also the White House. Can you talk a bit about? You know, I've been to the White House for events. I took my mother yeah. there once for the Christmas party, and I remembered. You know, they only have American beer, right? They don't. You, you can't have. You know, yeah. you're not, not going to see stuff that's not American there. And you realize, like yeah, Gingling, no, sure. Gingling is there, right? Which you find out is made in Pennsylvania. All the different beers, but can you talk about what what what's unique or even challenging? Obviously, it's special about cooking in the White House.
1: Well, I think, I think number one, first of all, I, I, you know, I came from the Navy. You said I joined the Navy at 16 years old. Uh, my mother marched me down the recruitment office at 15 and a half because I was not a good kid at school. I was a, re- a rebel. My mother would go to work. I'd come back and drink my dad's beer. And, you know, I was, I was not a good kid. I only enjoyed sports history and, uh, and doing nothing else. But um, so, so when I joined the military, As a cook, I thought, oh, this is going to be my life, and I love it, right? And I really did. It was the best, and it still is the best training in the world, and I will never take that back because it set the platform for me. So I got to uh, be on the Royal Yacht Britannia with the Majesty the Queen and and, uh, members of the Royal Family. When they came to the States in 1997, um, I was working with Donald Trump, I told you about the, the submarines kind of thing, um, but I got invited to go to the White House uh, as a guest guest chef. And I was the start of the guest chef program in the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was unbelievable that, that an English guy, and I, I wasn't a citizen at that point, could walk into this amazing building, the People's Building, and just be at home. It was the kitchen, the same as anything else. But back then, It went from electric to gas, from gas to electric. The the plates changed. Uh, We bought new bowls because, you know, just like planes and flight change, so does food. So we modernized the White House, if if you like, uh, for want of better word, the White House military office. Um, uh, Mike Miller was the admiral in charge, um, one-star admiral, who then became two-star Ronald Reagan, three-star Naval Academy, um, but was not afraid of change. You know, and that's something. You know, you've got a situation room, you've got the the uh, the navy mess, uh, the kitchen, and then uh, a wardroom and all those kind of things that, that go on where the, the president and senior staff eat, um, not all day, or every day, but some of the time. And I got to meet um, fifty-two guys that travel the globe with him, and uh, 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 you know, ahead of him, behind him, with him, making sure that his food is is uh and it's something special you know I, I I remember doing uh many dinners and lunches there and just saying well no the president the president wants to eat this and I would send everything up right you know <laughs> just because I I, I I wanted him to try everything because I wasn't a mili- I was a military cook but I'd been in so many different places it wasn't you know, dump and store, it was fine dining and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, from going from the Royal Britannia to, to the White House in his guest chef program and, and spending a couple of days there a week uh, and being able to teach the military chef, and that was the biggest thing, right? You, you can have a military chef that's in the field, right? Any, any branch of service, and they just, you know, just get food out because it's getting food out there. They're soldiers and sailors first and foremost, right? But you get food out, no matter what it is. It doesn't matter. Just feed the guys and girls, however it is, and that's a completely different thing. You know, you you you're you're prepared for a visiting head of state. You you travel with stuff you you would never normally use in the field as an army or, or or marine or you know. So my job there was basically to help them progress, and I still do that today. So every major event I do skyball where we have uh, you know fifteen thousand folks i have um, all branches of military chefs assigned to me for a week to do these events uh, medlam honor um all those kind of things because it's continual training for them and what i'm fighting for right now is is uh, extra training for the culinarians the, the 92 golfs or golf 92s whatever you want to call it um instead of eight weeks to 12 weeks. um, I I feel that our military feeding is gonna change dramatically because it has to, because it's not good, right? Right. There are good parts of it, and then there are not so good parts of it. Um, But if we don't give them the food and the training, just like we do with everything else, it's never gonna work. So so for me going from a a, a warship to the Royal Yard, to the White House and cooking for heads of state, I think that my my mindset has changed. There's still people, but you have to take into you know account cultures you know um food styles, all those things when you're making a menu for twelve heads of state it's very different to to you know you or i yeah um yeah. and and I love that piece of it um because I get to see. You know, look. Like, uh, Justin gets a call from the First Lady's office. We're going to feed. We have a we have a program called Breaking Bread for Heroes in our in our foundation, and they said, "Oh, the president wants to feed 400 Marines uh, in, in Cherry Point next week." And by the way, uh, how are we going to do it? And I'm like, so we send a team and we do it and, and right. Uh, and I think that's the coolest thing because there's an English cook, because that's what I am, um, that came to America and worked hard and really believes in, in America as a great country. I mean, I, I even asked, it's just a true story. I asked General Milley when he was the chief of the army, could I sign up? And he said, no, you're too old. And I was, but because I would have signed up again. That's how that's how patriotic I am, right? Um, uh, and so the more we can do with the military, the more I want to do, uh, end of story. But that's how I got to the White House. And that's, that's the, and it's still the coolest thing in Justin it just left when we walk into the pentagon and he's got a, 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 a card a, you know an id card for the pentagon he's like this is the coolest because it's the coolest place
2: yeah you can't just walk into the pentagon well well they you might know? they might take you back now given where recruiting is and you're staying in shape so <laughs> be careful what you wish for you just yeah. might get it sooner or later let me let me ask you about let me ask you about the new book. Um, you know, you're. It's called, you know, Overcoming Impossible. It drops this week. Folks should get it. You, you've seen it right there. I haven't read it yet, but I will. Um, you know what? What? What do you want to be the biggest takeaway here? Also, taking into account, it folds into well, well, a theme that we touch on. Look, it's been hard for a lot of folks. I think over the last couple of years, people feel beat up um i think there's still an optimistic feeling in this country but at the same time they look to people who've been through hard times and you talk about going from being an english cook to serving the president at the white house tell us what overcoming impossible is about and, and what you want folks to take away. i think i
1: think look first and foremost and i and i mean this most sincerely paul I, I i am a cook at heart my 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 main thing is i cook for a living right yes i can shoot a rifle and i can blow things up but yes of course but I'm a cook, right? I don't get to shoot anymore. Or I do, but not the way I used to, right? So for me, is this journey is uh, transcended from cooking on a warship, to working in hotels, to going to Jamaica, to working with Donald Trump in a casino for four years, to start my own company. And now I've been 5,000 employees, right? Um, 11 companies, 5,000 employees. And this, this book is literally, it's almost like a memoir, if you like, of all my my I can't use the military term, but mess ups, yeah.
2: right? Yeah, all yeah.
1: my mess ups. Uh, what did I do wrong? How did I do wrong? How did I lose money? And this is it is pretty much in three categories, and it starts with number one is empathetic leadership. And and what does that mean? We know what leadership means in the military, right? When I go up that mountain and we're going to take that, you know, whatever machine gun post, I want to look behind me or to the left or right, I Me mean, make sure my guys are there, right, or girls. Um, and and there was no girls when I was in, but uh, uh, it, it's interesting to me that the military has changed dramatically. What I see of my base visits and USO tours in that when I was uh, a young sailor, I couldn't, and I worked with a two-star admiral, I couldn't, look him in the face and talk to him because I, you know, I'm not worthy kind of uh, that's how the English was, right? And now I see, you know, three star, four star guys that people can actually walk up and, and, and have a, a position and say something and it's listened to. And I and I think that's what this book is, Alicia, listening to the people that you work with, taking ideas, because the old military, just like old business, used to be the A's. And the B's and the A's being the boss and the B's being here and nobody listens to a B, right? I want all A's surrounded by me. I want people that that are not afraid to come and tell me, hey, we think you're wrong or we think it's better done this way, right? Because that's what makes me successful. And it took me 10 years to actually figure that out. Mm. And I made many mistakes, thousands of them, and I put them in the book. Because I want people, the empathetic leadership is about listening to the people you're surrounded by and taking advice when you need it, right? Um, So that's number one. Then it goes into the biggest thing, which is egos, right? Egos get in the way of everything, losing the ego. And then number three is the trust. Mm. Um, There's many case studies of of, of what I've done here. And, 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 you know, I fixed over 20,000 restaurants, yeah. Uh, and businesses from from you know 50,000 to 53 billion um and the, the problems are always scalable you look at a system you're used to systems we're used to systems the military are used to systems and the minute you walk in and you see something's not working it 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 jumps out like a baseball bat at you you know and you yeah. say well look what why do you do that oh because it's always been done that way well i challenge that and i'm i'm you know i upset a lot of people because i challenged the system yeah yeah but yeah. that's what makes success that's what makes change and that's what the book is about it is it's taking systems breaking them apart telling what works what doesn't and showing you before you hit the pitfall it's not a book where you check off things and say oh yeah because if, if i have a million dollars for every check that somebody said it was done and it wasn't yeah. me and you would be sitting on an island that I own <laughs> in, in the middle of just drinking tequila for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah. right yeah but but these are people that do it and I've seen it through COVID I've seen it in the military I've seen it in in, in big business and they just say yes because we've done it and they haven't mm. yeah um, yep. and this book is about just that what why do we fail uh, and why do systems fail look I don't care about whether I learn from the guy on the street. I learn from a bus driver, a cab driver. I I listen, and before I never used to listen. Mm. I'd be like, "No, it's my company. It's my way. Screw you. It's the way it is." Yeah. And and one day my wife said to me, she wasn't my wife at the time I met her. She's like, "You're a real, you know, piece of work." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" Hence, I married her, and, and she keeps me in tow now. But Good. I, I think my my attitude changed from from hiring Bs to hiring double A's because mm. I wanted I wanted to be successful in things that I that I didn't know but thought I knew. And I think that's what the book does. And I think the modern generation, um, just like the military, by the way, you know, you go to college, in the nineteen to twenty four, the military's the same way. Yep, we, we're we're picking cherry picking or trying to cherry pick people yet the industries whether you're pilots whatever the industry you're in they're paying three times as much giving better benefits giving you you know so so of course where are we going to go absolutely
2: absolutely it's yeah. not about
1: it's not about not believing in the country because we do but then make it make it level playing field so at least we can pick this benefit this benefit this housing this housing this this, you know, but what we've got is, is inadequate housing, inadequate money, uh, food insecurity, all those things. Why would you want to go into a job like that? You, I mean, you wouldn't.
2: Well, and it's a powerful intersection because I've long been a proponent of national service. Right. I think that yep. I wish I want young people in America. I've said they could serve in our military. They could serve in the Peace Corps, Marine Corps, AmeriCorps. But I also have said you should put working in a restaurant in there because I grew up working in restaurants and bars and then I went in the military, I played team sports and I feel like there's something incredibly formative about working in a restaurant, working on a team and having that experience, having to serve people, but also the logistics and everything from, you know, safety uh, to sanitation. I mean, you learn everything working in a restaurant and I hope that my boys, you know, serve in the military if that's their pick, but I would... They almost insist that they're going to work in a restaurant At but some you point, miss what you gonna... miss one thing out there what's that please the partying afterwards hey you know if you're in a good restaurant yeah
1: <laughs> yeah look look i'm I, I am the same as you i grew up in england um where national service prior to me growing up there obviously was was a big deal i am a big supporter of two years uh, of national service in this country non-deployable right? I don't think it should be deployed. They should be stationed at home. And why Why do I believe in that? Because of all those things you just said about the restaurant business. The restaurant business is parallel in that. It's a brigade system, just like the military. You grow up in that in that system. You yep. get taught per job, per section, and you move up when you're ready. Same with the military. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's the biggest um, phenomenon, I think, of, of Of why restaurants are successful, certain restaurants are and certain restaurants aren't. And it's interesting because if you look at the parallels, you know, when I when I came out, my transition from the military was not easy. It was, you know, people standing all over you, like talking garbage about you and and, and trying to get above you. And my company, and, and because of that experience I had. Of people trashing you, which you're never used to in the military, because when your time comes up and you do your exams and you, you get moved up, right? Yep. In the in the civilian world, it's like, nah, screw you, I want that job. I'm gonna I'm gonna do you as much as I can get get rid of you. Um, and I have a, a, a thing in my companies, the minute you bad mouth something, this is a got you can ask any of my team, the minute you bad mouth something, and you don't go to that person and talk to them directly and sort it out. If you then go to somebody else and complain about that person, you're gone. I don't care how powerful you think you are on my team, because I won't have people undermining yeah. other people. Yeah. And we don't have that in the military. Of course, there's disputes and there's, there's always, you know, people like you, they don't like you. Like, you're always going to have haters. Mm-hmm. Have haters, it's okay. In fact, that drives me. I talk about that in the book too, having haters. How, how that's awesome for me because it drives me to be more successful to prove them wrong
2: that's powerful and it's all you know it's all command climate too right like yeah. anybody who's worked in a restaurant knows the chef drives the climate, drives yeah. the atmosphere, drives the culture, right? Yeah. Similarly in the military, and they can do it for good or they can do it for evil and they can bind people together or, or tear them apart. So I think there's a lot of power in that and understanding leadership and putting, paying your dues in, in just dealing with difficult situations, multitasking, stress, all of it, right? Like you yeah. can tell someone who's never worked in a restaurant when you sit down with them and they're in a restaurant. You can tell the people who've worked in the business, who've been in the trenches, and who and who haven't? And I think that's true, you know, broadly in society too. It, it, it forms a really important work ethic and connection to working people and to the most basic thing, food, right? So let me let me ask you this. I hope you'll stick around for a couple of extra Patreon questions. Our Patreon, on, dude, members, which will include the the the, the big food question. Our, our regular members know what it is. You don't know what it is. It's coming. That'll be for our Patreon members only. But let me ask you this: um You've cooked for. President Trump and, and I have you cooked for President Biden before?
1: Yes, yeah, so when he was what is, president, what is president, president and two weeks ago.
2: If, if President Trump and President Biden said, I want you to cook me one thing, what would each of them ask you to cook them?
1: Wow. Well, uh, I can tell you, I've been mean, worked for Donald Trump for four years in a casino yeah. before he was the president. His uh, steak and ketchup, hands down. What was it? Steak
2: and ketchup. Steak and ketchup hands down and french fries did he have a cut did he have a cut of steak and
1: how did I yeah, normally still, normally stirloin uh um always well done never never so so he's easy right
2: okay
1: he was easy did he put uh, the
2: ketchup on the steak
1: no i always put it on the side he put it on the steak all
2: right I, I figured there was going to be a very specific request right
1: yeah, he he is very very particular in um, who touches food, who, t- I mean, really, yeah. he's got a very specific, uh, wow. he, he did when I was uh, with him at Trump. All uh, right. And what about Biden? Um, what
2: would Biden want?
1: Biden, he's really interesting because I remember doing, when he was the vice president, and this is kind of a longstanding thing now, when he was vice president um, with Obama, I was doing a lunch for Obama and him, and we had an apple pie with a feta cheese, right, on the, on the apple pie, it was amazing, but Biden doesn't eat uh, uh, cheese. So he said, can we? Can you make me something uh, um, with chocolate? Well, I made a chocolate mousse in five minutes, run up to his office, there was a couple of senators and generals, and I just put it in the secretary's uh, uh, table, and she said, no, he wants to see you. So I took it in there, and, and literally, we, I told about Cherry Point earlier, so every dinner I do with military folks uh, for Thanksgiving or Friendsgiving, I make him this moves to go on the plane, every the same. But he he's got a good palate of food. He likes mm-hmm. food. Um, what, about,
2: uh, what about you? If you had a last meal, it was your last meal on Earth. What would you want?
1: Right, roast chicken and mashed potatoes, dude. I'm a simple eater. Roast would it be your me, roast?
2: Ch- would it be your roast chicken and mashed potatoes, or is there yeah. someone in mind you? Well, would have- there's
1: only one other that can come anywhere close to mine. Yeah. There's a restaurant in Philadelphia. Um. And, and it, it does the best. So I believe in, in riced, creamy mashed potatoes with a pound of butter, white yeah. pepper. I mean, look, I can go to the gym all day, but don't mess with my mashed potatoes. Don't mess with my chicken. Um, and the restaurant's name is Park in in, in Philadelphia. Uh, they do a, an apple, apple tart tan, an apple pie or an apple tart with ice cream. That's my parting. You know, if you're going to take me, I want to eat that before. My girls know it. It's actually in my will.
2: I love it. I love so. it. I want to thank you for all you do. You are a true inspiration. You're a real patriot when that word's gotten thrown around a lot in the last couple of years, especially you continue to give back. You're a great role model. You're a good dude. And, and I just want to thank you for all you do, not just for the military, but for this country and all you're going to do in the days ahead. I'm, I'm really honored to have you as a friend and grateful to have you on your show and just always rooting for you, man.
1: And when you do me a favor, don't ever give up fighting for what you believe. Cause I know you won't. You're like me. You're loud. You're aggressive. And I love it. You will win always, always. Don't ever give that up, dude.
2: It's a great message to end on. I'm going to go eat some fit crunch bars and, uh, and, and raise a glass of tequila to you next time I'm out. Uh, you're going to stick around for our Patreon members, but thank you for all you do. I wish you all the best. Everybody go get Overcoming Impossible and follow everything he does. The great chef, Robert Irvine. Thank you, my friend. Stay vigilant. I'm hungry after that. I hope you're hungry. And I hope you're hungry for the helpers, because the helpers are out there. Chef Robert Irvine is truly one of them. And you got to check out his website. It's fresh and hot. Go to chefirvine.com. You can check out more information about all of what he's up to and all of his companies. And you can check out his foundation. Be sure to follow him on Twitter. And check out his new book, Overcoming Impossible. You can also look for him on the road and on your TV. He's gone from a Navy cook to serving presidents. He's a truly important, inspiring, and iconic American who's also never forgotten how he started. And he continues to give back. And he's definitely
0: a helper. Always look for the helpers. There, were, there will always be helpers. You know, even just on
2: the sidelines. Check the hashtag Look for the Helpers on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and share yours with me. Bring them on. Come on. Send them my way. And when you're on social, be sure to play guest-to-guest every Wednesday night. We're serving it up hot. And last week, nobody got Rocky Blyer, the great Steelers legend who joined us. Nobody guessed it. Our old friend Kilted Seabee guessed Terry Bradshaw, which was a good guess. Nice try. Wrong Pittsburgh Steeler. But nobody got Rocky Blyer. Well, I shouldn't say nobody. Delfino Sanchez, our friend down in Houston stump grinding, got it again. I think it's because he must have some kind of freaking spy balloon parked over my house or something. But he did say, Paul, could it be the great Rocky Blyer? Seen here with four NFL Super Bowl rings. Yes. He also said he enjoyed the Rachel Maddow episode, which was excellent and full of five eyes. A lot of you gave us great feedback on that and the recent episode on Rocky Blyer. Go back and check those out if you haven't already. He asked me who I thought the first player to score would be on Sunday and who would win in the final score and of course told me to stay frosty. Well, Delfino, I got the picks wrong. If you listen to the last episode or the one before that, I got my big pick wrong. And I don't know if I've ever been happier to be wrong. The Eagles did not win. Hooray. But it was a hell of a game. And what a team the Kansas City Chiefs are. This is what leaders like Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey can inspire. And it's what coaches like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy can accomplish. And overall just a fun season and it reminded me and I think so many why we love football speaking of love I loved Rihanna I always loved Rihanna I I thought she was stunning straightforward simple powerful I loved the music I was totally flabbergasted by her floating over a stadium while she was pregnant and I just loved it and the game was just fantastic a great end to a great season It just sucks that it's over But before it's over, I want to ask, who's going to be the first elected official to call for the day after the Super Bowl to be a day of no school and work? Or at least create like a two-hour delay like after a snowstorm. I think we could all support that no matter what team you root for, so let's make it happen. And also, a couple nights before the Super Bowl, something happened that a lot of folks may not have tracked on. It was the NFL Honors Awards, and the Coach of the Year Award went to the great coach of the New York Giants, Coach Dable. And he ended his speech by saying much respect. And I want to tell you something about him. I think he deserves much respect because of the example he set. It's much bigger than football, but if you're a football fan, you know what I'm talking about. Coach Dable gives respect, he expects respect, and he earned respect. And he's a fantastic example of how a command climate and leadership example can redefine the culture of an organization. The Giants were struggling, and now they're on a totally different glide path. And he's a true leader the one that Giants fans have been waiting for. So congrats, Coach Dable, and thank you, most of all, for being a leader that our fan base, our city, our country, and especially our kids can look up to. Speaking of leaders we can look up to, the Walter Payton Man of the Year was named, and it was quarterback of the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, who continues to give back to his community, and stuff like that is often below the headlines, but Dak Prescott's a true helper, a real leader, who reminds us it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice and to give back. So congrats to Dak Prescott on the most important award in the NFL. They're all examples of helpers. They're all examples of leaders who are inspiring. And if you wanna find more just like them, go to independentamericans.us. We've got over 200 episodes with folks of all backgrounds that can inspire you and show you what leadership's all about. And while you're there, you can also be a leader yourself, cook up a little support for us and join our Patreon community. Shout out to all of our Patreon members. Thank you for continuing to power this work. If you're not one of them, please join us. Help me keep this going. Help me continue to cook up good content and deliver it hot and fresh. You Patreon members always get this show with no ads. You get video, you get behind the scenes content, and you get an extra special serving of content from every guest, and you're getting one with Chef Robert Irvine. I asked Chef his favorite drink, which is a good one. I asked him his first car which is a fantastic answer that involves Trump's casino and Patrick Swayze. You want to check that out. And he's a chef, and he has an epic answer for pancakes versus waffles. It's a truly delicious dish of content, and he also tells you his secret recipe for making some amazing pancakes. So check it out. It's at independentamericans.us for our Patreon members only. Whether you're a member or not, go to Independent Americans and check out what we're cooking, and please spread the love. Because America is more divided than ever before, but we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are cooking up changes to that. We're adding a dash of light to contrast all that overflowing nastiness of heat from the other political shows. If you're among the 50% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. And some other stats about independent Americans you may not know. 20% of Native Americans are independent Americans. 30% of African-Americans are independent Americans. 40% of Asian-Americans are independent Americans. 37% of Latino-Americans are independent Americans. And 60% of young people. And those numbers are growing. 44% of all voters identify as independents, making us the largest group of voters in the U.S. So if you're one of them, this is your show. And whether you are or not, all are welcome, and we invite you to join us at this dinner table of change and eat up part of the solution. Because our independent movement is part of the solution. It's like the title of Chef Robert's new book, Overcoming Impossible. We're bringing people together in new ways, around shared values, and around a spirit of country over party, people over politics, light over heat, disrupting the status quo, and creating a new enterprise that spans across our entire society. Like Chef Robert Irvine, everything he cooks up, and especially his pancakes.
0: But can't you see that it's just raining? Hey. There ain't no need to go
2: outside. Shout out to the great Jack Johnson for this amazing song, the classic banana pancakes. Pancakes are my go-to thing to cook, and I definitely cooked them up this weekend for the Super Bowl, along with some thick-cut bacon and some of my cheese eggs, although they did not have peeps in them. And since we're talking about food, pancakes are actually a flavor of peeps. Yes, pancakes and syrup-flavored peeps do exist. And why am I bringing this up? You may remember from earlier episodes of this show that we used to give peeps to every single guest. We used to ask them to choose a color. It was a really important part and a fun part of the early days of this show. And this week, thanks to our listener, Dave Petrie, I found out that there was some sad news. Bob Bourne, the father of peeps and Hot Tamales Candies, has died. Bob Bourne was the father of peeps because he mechanized the process to make marshmallow chicks. And he died at the age of 98. And he lived a hell of a life. He began in New York City on September 29, 1924. His dad, Sam Bourne, was a Russian immigrant who started the company Just Born shortly before his son was born. NPR had a great story about this. And the family later moved to Pennsylvania, where Just Bourne is still based. Now, Bob Bourne graduated from Lehigh University with a degree in engineering physics. And then he enlisted in the Navy and served as a radar specialist and a lieutenant on a destroyer in the Pacific. Later, the Navy sent him to the University of Arizona and to MIT for graduate work in math and physics. He, was, he applied to medical school and was accepted, but before he could get there, he fell in love with the candy business and decided to stay. In 1953, his company, just born, acquired another company called Rhoda Candy, They were a jelly bean maker that had a side business creating shaped marshmallow candies by hand. And at that time, in 1953, it took about 27 hours to make the marshmallows. Well, Bob Bourne, the innovative Navy vet, saw the candy's potential. And he and an engineer at the company designed and built a machine to make them in less than six minutes. And that company's machines, which are still based on Bob Bourne's 1953 design now pump out 5.5 million peeps per day, including pancake and syrup flavor. Bob Bourne also came up with the recipe for another popular candy from Just Bourne Hot Tamales. They also make Mike and Ike's and Goldenberg's Peanut Chews, which are one of the more underrated candies that I enjoy. Bob Bourne was Just Bourne's president in 1959 and held that role for more than 30 years. And he last visited the factory in 2019, when the city of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, proclaimed the first day of Easter season, Bob Bourne Day. Bob passed away at the age of 98 and will be remembered as a tireless and passionate advocate for the candy industry and a wonderful supporter of the community. He survived by his widow Patricia, two children, five grandchildren, and 12 great-grandchildren. Bob Bourne did more than just create an iconic candy. He showed what was possible in America and what's possible for veterans, what's possible for innovators, what's possible for entrepreneurs. He set an example. One that will last forever. Kind of like Peeps on your shelf, which I can attest to after doing 200 episodes of this show. Rest in peace, Bob. There was no Peeps commercial in the Super Bowl, but maybe there should have been. There were certainly a lot of commercials, and there were some that were focused on causes, on charities, on issues. So who won the cause marketing in the Super Bowl? I actually broke it down. I broke down all the social media impact commercials and some that were kind of sort of social media impacty from the big game with my friend, CEO of Ethos, and longtime social impact leader, Emily Kane Miller. We talked about the ads that focused on cancer, women's sports, Jesus. There was a lot to talk about. You can watch the whole conversation. It's linked in the show notes, and it'll also be up on Twitter and on our website. Back in the day, I led teams with public service announcements and cause marketing commercials and campaigns that ran in the Super Bowl at massive concerts, at billboards nationwide, during NASCAR races, and all kinds of other places. And Emily and I break down who scored a touchdown and who fumbled in the big moment. Check it out linked in the show notes. Also, a reminder, every Thursday at 11.15 Eastern, same day this show drops, check me out in the new weekly News Nation segment with Marnie Hughes. Every week, I'll be on News Nation. We'll focus on national security, vets, and the political news of the week. That's on News Nation. You can find it on cable or at newsnation.com. I've told you on some Friday nights, not every, I'll be on News Nation also with Chris Cuomo, where we'll have a drink and hang. And in the meantime, we're going to bring back something that we used to do. We're going to do Friday Zooms. We're going to do Friday Zoom conversations. Let's end the week together. We'll chop it up. I'll take your questions. We'll raise a daytime drink or a coffee. And we'll do it this Friday, February 17th, starting at noon. The information will be linked in the show notes. Please spread the word. You do not have to be a Patreon member for this one. We're going to throw it out to anybody. So if you want to hang with me, join me this Friday, February 17th at 12 noon. We'll give it a shot. We'll cook up something special. And if it works, we'll keep it going. Just like this independent movement that we're going to keep going. Be sure to hit me up on all the social media platforms and subscribe to this show. Go ahead and hit that button. Let me pause for a second. If you haven't done it before, do it. Subscribe. Good job. Thank you. Well done. All right. And now share it with a couple of friends when you're done. Because the momentum for this independent movement is continuing to cook and cook and grow. And we're going to continue to keep pushing. Even past things that might seem impossible. And we should be as nice to each other as we do it, as we would if folks were coming to dinner at our house for dinner. No need to go because that sense of welcoming, that sense of community... That sense of being around a united dinner table of sorts, that's the unique and independent spirit of America. And it's a unique and truly independent spirit of entrepreneurship and of running a successful restaurant. Whether it's a huge national chain or a roadside hot dog stand like I used to work in or that my friend Pops runs on Route 28 just outside of Phoenicia, New York in Ulster County. Shout out to Pops, who's out there every day when the weather's good selling hot dogs, excellent hot dogs. Pops is also a Vietnam vet who's been doing it for a long time. Because what Pops does, that's the unique and truly independent spirit of our movement. And the spirit of leaders like Chef Robert Irvine. I hope you like this conversation with Chef. If you did, please share it far and wide. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. We're all in this together, just like Chef Robert underscored. Whether it's in an army mess hall, in a Vegas casino, on a TV cooking show, or in the White House kitchen, or all across America itself, whether you choose pancakes or you choose waffles, we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thank you for listening, and thank you for joining me at this dinner table of conversation. Down with Putin. Slava Ukraini and stay vigilant, America. Can't you see? Can't you see? We gotta wake up slow. Powered,
0: Powered power. by Righteous Media.